With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR, or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's hour two on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick Show. I opened up the scrapbook, my personal scrapbook, in the first hour of the program and went down memory lane, painful memory lane. Not many people go to Disneyland to go just to Disneyland and not go into Disneyland. But, hey, I moved on from my childhood. That's just amongst the things that happened, my tortured life growing up. Yes, yes, Tom. And then getting a Donald Duck souvenir hat to make it look like you actually had it's the okay. experience inside the gate. It's okay, you know. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dpatampatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Get to uh, phone calls coming up. This in from Shams uh, Sharania that Joel Embiid is going to play tonight, barring a setback. And uh, Shams says that uh, sources tell him, I got the Celtics favored by 10 in this game. And I wondered, uh, Paulie, check and see if DraftKings is going to change that line for tonight. Yeah, it could uh, take a few minutes. About seven minutes ago, Shams announced Embiid likely back tonight. Okay, so uh, 76ers getting 10 tonight against the Celtics, and it looks like Joel Embiid will be back. Dylan Brooks is not going to be back with the Memphis Grizzlies. He carved out a nice career after being selected in the second round. That was back in 2017. And he's averaged just over 18 points per game the last two years. And, you know, people thought, oh, he's a nice player. Because if you watch Memphis, you'll be watching John Morant. You'll be watching Jaron Jackson. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, Dylan Brooks, he can play, score a little bit. He averaged just over 14 points in the regular season this year, but started to decline a little bit. He sort of embraced the villain role, villain Brooks, trash talking, uh, what he said in the games against the Lakers and LeBron and LeBron being old. And then all of a sudden there was a report that came out in the athletic that under no circumstances, would he be brought back to the Memphis Grizzlies after they bowed out against the Lakers? Yes, Paulie. Yeah, that, that was the exact language of Sham Sharania's tweet. The Memphis Grizzlies have warned Dylan Brooks he will not be back under any circumstances. That's very specific language yes, it by, is. The, by the reporter. Yeah. Uh, did they need to say that? Could they have just said, you know what, we're not going to pay you? Because I think he is looking for $25 million a year. And if you say under any circumstances. How about if you want to play for 15 million under any circumstances? But it feels like he's the one falling on the grizzly sword here that they lost and they lost for a variety of reasons there. And John Morant did wear it. He did say, look, what happened off the court? You know, I take ownership of that. Certainly a distraction there. They had some injuries as well, but I just, I think they got caught up in the hype and and they didn't have production. And then you saw when they needed to produce, they didn't do that. They weren't capable of doing that. They're not mature enough to do that. It's a young team. And I think if you're bringing somebody in, you got to bring in a guy who can shoot the three and play D, a three and D guy. They did try to get that guy. They tried at the trade deadline. 
So this should be no surprise to Dylan Brooks that Memphis wants to move on from him because it felt like they were trying to move on from him during the regular season. We reached out to him to see if we could get him on the program because I would like to talk to him about you embrace this role. You embrace this role and now you became a name. Maybe not a household name, but in the NBA community, you did. And then you tapped out. Like why? Either be that guy like Draymond Green is or don't attempt it in the first place. Because if you do it, you have to continue to do it. You can't go, hey, I can pick my spots here. You know, I'll say what I want to say about LeBron. And then after the game, you know, I'm not talking. Or then you're going to blame the media. Oh, the media is the reason why you're this way or you're viewed this way or the officials don't treat you fairly. I mean, look, he was a good player, a solid player. And a guy who could play, you know, 10 to 12 years. But you got to kind of go back and realize, okay, what do you do well? And what kind of player do you want to be? What kind of player do you want to be on the court? Draymond's all in start to finish. This is who he is. And he has good games and he has bad games. But he's also on a team that's got some maturity there. And then they can overcome all the things that Draymond, Draymond being Draymond, and there was part of me that was hoping that Jordan Poole would hit that shot last night because it's been a strange year for him. He was a wonderful surprise the previous year. You start out the year, and you get knocked out by Draymond Green. And he's got a 30-footer to tie. Do I want a 30-footer from Jordan Poole? No. And, and I'm going to base this on not the, the results, but it's 30 feet away when it could have been maybe 25 feet away. And I give the Lakers credit. They took the ball out of Steph's hands. Clay Thompson didn't get a chance with a shot, but it, there's 10 seconds left. I just thought you could have done a little bit better in that situation. Here's Steve Kerr saying what you would think Steve Kerr would say about that last shot. I thought Jordan did a really good job. Um, I had the timeouts left, but I saw them double-teaming Steph at half court. So I knew somebody was going to be wide open if we could just get the ball uh, out. And Steph did a great job. He got the ball out of the trap, and um, Jordan was wide open and pretty good look. You know, that's, that's a shot he can hit. So really, you know, happy with that possession. And uh, again, this, you know, Jordan had hit six threes already, so it's a great shot for us. He's going to say that. He has to say that. But is that what they designed? They diagrammed. Yes, he right. He does. He does have to say that. But is he wrong? I mean, his all of his reasoning right there is pretty sound. Well, you got a shot off, and that's important. Go back to Milwaukee in their last game. Grayson Allen didn't get a shot off. Celtics. So, yeah. Yes, they had a shot. Uh, whether it was designed like that, it was an open look. Mm. It was just I thought. He could have gotten a little closer there. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I'm going to commend the Lakers for double-teaming Steph to make sure he did not beat them. And that was the most important part of this. Jordan Poole can hit six three-pointers. Can Jordan Poole be the guy who's going to hit the three-pointer mm. in a situation like that? Because that wasn't even close, the shot. It wasn't like, oh, my God, that almost went in. It didn't. Uh, but... The Lakers did what you needed to do. They go on the road and they win. And you start to look at this. LeBron didn't play well. AD was wonderful. They shot, what, 20 more, made 20 more free throws? So you, you start there because Golden State shot pretty well from three-point range. Although Steph and Clay, I think uh, they were 19 of 49. That's not going to happen. At least I wouldn't bank on that happening. But... Is LeBron going to have a better game next time instead of 9 of 24? I would imagine. But they hit their two-point field goals, and they made their free throws. And that's why they won that game last night. But tonight, it's the 76ers getting 10. Oh, do you have the updated line? The line has changed. Okay. The 76ers are getting... Six. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Embiid factor. Okay. Joel Embiid is your MVP, and it wasn't close. LeBron didn't get an MVP vote, and Steph Curry finished 12th in the voting, which I'm okay with. Like, even though they're, the, they're the, so valuable to the league, they didn't have good regular seasons. They played well, but they, their teams didn't have good regular seasons. Where would those teams be without those two guys? They, they, would they be even sniffing the playoffs? If Curry was out for this season or LeBron was out for this season? 
They're DOA, right? Yeah, but I could say that about Giannis with the Bucks, and yeah. Joel Embiid with the 76. Certainly the Joker. I think I think Steph Curry averaged 29 this year. Yeah. Four more points than last year, and he finishes 12th for MVP. Yeah, yeah Marv. They were 11th and 30 on the road, so he's out for he, MVP. They, they are also defending champs. I mean, their mm-hmm. regular season to them is is basically meaningless. That's where they are today proves. Yeah, so we shouldn't care about him not getting any votes for this because they're only concerned about the postseason now. They don't care about the regular season. You yeah. have it. Yeah, see. But seeing, seeing LeBron not have any MVP votes and Steph so far down in yep. the voting does remind you that it's coming to an end. Yes. That's not, those aren't prime career numbers. You know what I mean? You're, you're, it just feels like, and even Steph talking after the, I think it was after the game or before, I'm not positive, uh, but just sort of reflecting about how much fun it's been always, you know, facing each other and that rivalry and getting championships and stuff and that, you know, the respect he has for LeBron. It was like, wow, this is going to end soonish. Well, you're watching these moments, and I remember, and, and I'm fortunate to have been around Borg and McEnroe, and then it ended. Bird, Magic, and then it ended. You know, you have these rivalries, these moments, and then it ends. And that's what's going to happen here with Steph and LeBron. That LeBron is, what, 38 and Steph is 35. Will they get this opportunity again? Or how many times will they get a chance to take the floor and face one another? And in the moment, you don't always appreciate it until it's gone. And then you look back and you go, oh, my gosh, that was fun. Now, it's not really a rivalry I mentioned between these two franchises, in my opinion. But this is LeBron and Steph in a select group. They're in a club. They're in a fraternity. They're in the top 15, top 10 players of all time. And when you win, now you're winning and it it helps you move up. A notch. If you're winning a championship, you know you're moving. Now, LeBron's not moving higher than two yet, but if Steph all of a sudden gets to five, you know, now all of a sudden you're going to see a top seven player? I don't know. But that's, that's the rivalry, if you want to call it. It's between those two with their legacies here. And that, so it's, it's historical in the, in the meetings that they're having right now. But uh, LeBron didn't play great, one of eight from three-point range, but you had AD, and chances are AD will come back to earth as he has throughout the postseason so far. You have a great game, and then he has an average game. Great game, average game. You put up 30 and 23. You put your name up there with Laker greats like Shaq and Elgin Baylor, uh, Kareem. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive company. And Golden State does not have an answer. Here's Draymond Green on trying to guard Anthony Davis. I think when you're guarding a player like AD, you know, it's never going to be one guy that just shuts him down. It's a team effort. As far as the matchup goes, you know, you got to take that head on. And, you know, I don't think we did a great job of that tonight. Like I said, that starts with me. And the Knicks beat the Heat. They had to work to beat the Heat. Without Jimmy Butler, that series now tied at a game apiece. But the the Lakers go up 1-0 on the Warriors. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. With Joel Embiid back tonight, I've got the over-under for James Harden at 23-and-a-half. Does that change with Embiid coming back? Uh, Poll question for Hour 2 is going to be what, Seton O'Connor? Well, Dad, we had two of them up there for Hour 1. We had who is a better friend... LeBron James or, or Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Wait, how did we come up with who's a better friend? Because Randall Cobb is now going to the Jets, and it was breaking news on ESPN, which I found. You know, when I saw breaking news, I'm like, what? Randall Cobb is going to the Jets. And I go, what's the breaking news? Oh, that's the breaking news, because he's going to the Jets with Aaron Rodgers. And LeBron James with Tristan Thompson. Wait, is that why he's a great friend? Uh, that and plus, yeah, I mean, he took all of his all of his guys. He are did with take him from, all of his buddies. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Rich Paul is you know big agent dating Adele. Uh, who is it? James Jones. How many how many teams did he play with LeBron on? Do we do we know, Marv? I'm almost certain it was two. It was the, it was heat, the heat and then the Cavs. Okay, and so LeBron didn't go to six straight finals. LeBron and James <laughs> Jones went to six straight finals. 
Yeah, Paul. You know, I don't know whose friend he is, but Udonis Haslam, the big man for the Miami Heat, he's been a player coach for basically nine years. He hasn't started a game since 2015. I think he's Pat Riley's friend. Yeah, or so, yeah, yeah, friend of management, friend of the ownership. Yes. He yeah. played in uh, seven games this year, and he's basically like a coach that has a uniform. Yeah. yeah he's, he's 42 years old. Yeah. People don't, still don't want to mess with him either. No. <laughs> Udonis Haslam goes on the floor if there's some trouble, and then all of a sudden the trouble dissipates. Yes, Mark. And now he's got old man strength. Yeah. He was strong when he was young, and now you see the gray hairs. Yeah. I never want to really fight anybody that's like 50. Like, never. Like me? I, old man strength? Yeah. No, no thank you. You don't want a piece of me. You don't want any of this smoke, Marvin. <laughs> well... I don't want to fight you either. I'm not a fighter, so you don't have to worry about that. Yes, Paul. You don't want to fight those old guys who live in like Wisconsin or Minnesota and it's four below and they're wearing a T-shirt and working outside comfortably. Like Bud Grant. Yeah. Up until the day he died, I couldn't imagine somebody wanting to, to fight the legendary It's not cold. Coach. I don't have any circulation anyway. <laughs> what do I care? Are you dead in like an hour and a half? What do you yeah. a t- what, I need? A, a jacket? Yeah. He's out there in a T-shirt. I love those old guys. You don't want to mess with them. Yeah. Yeah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> it's like older guys, they just grunt sometimes. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> That's essentially every Clint Eastwood movie right now. Whoa! <laughs> Sitting on the porch. <laughs> Grand Torino. Yeah. A powerful performance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other one where um, he's driving? I think he's protecting a little boy. And they're in the desert somewhere. Oh. When and the kid will ask a silly question, and Clint Eastwood will go. How do you write that in a script? Is it eight R's? Well, this is what he brings to the script. He's the director. Uh, oh. Yeah, so he can say whatever he wants. Uh, Clint, we didn't get to. We couldn't understand what you said. You know, uh, thought I said. Uh. Well, you did, but the script calls for something. Uh, <laughs> Yes, Paul. But when we had Clint Eastwood on set at Pebble Beach, everyone was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He still has that intimidation factor yes, he did. when he walks into a room, the outdoor room which we were in. And I wanted to ask, everybody wants to hear, go ahead, make my day. But you can't really joke around with Clint Eastwood. Remember when we went up to him? It was the pairings party at Pebble Beach. He was all alone eating a salad. Yes. And I go, Clint Eastwood is all alone eating. I got to go. And then I went, one of you guys go up there. Just say, hey, Clint. And then Clint. I well, Mr. Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I would have freaked. And then I I said, you know what? I gotta go over there. I feel bad. I mean, he didn't look like he was sad. He was chowing down. And I, what I are just, those uh, croutons? And I, no, I didn't do anything like that. Uh, I went up and I said, um, hey, uh, hey Clint, I'm Dan Patrick. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went, okay. And then I just uh, tapped out. Yes, Todd. On the flip side, Huey Lewis was very personable. He was. You go right up to him, and yeah. he was willing to chat and yeah. smile. Yeah, Huey Lewis. There was no news with him, but just Huey Lewis. Bill Murray was there. Paulie's like, oh, I got to go up and say hello to him. I actually like yelled at you, Mike. You got to introduce me to Bill Murray. I go. I, I asked for nothing else. I said, well, it depends on Bill's mood here. Well, yeah, but you've known him a long time. I, I said, I know, but you know, you got to pick your spots. He was like a moving shark. He never engaged in any conversation nope. more than nope. eight seconds. Nope. It was like, hey, Billy. He goes, Dan. I said, this is Paul, my producer. Paul? Bill Murray. <laughs> Good to meet you. And I bolted. And that was it. That was it. We were done. All right, we'll check in with the Memphis Grizzlies here, and uh, in particular, the uh, Dylan Brooks part of this story. We're back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Every week we talk about Panini America, the official trading card to the Dan Patrick Show. Now we invite you to check out their brand new NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net, one-of-a-kind digital cards. Available in packs, or Panini has public auctions that are on the site. Hottest rookies, biggest superstars, the old-time greats, featuring official products from the NFL, NBA, UFC, FIFA, World Cup, collegiate sports. It's a big deal when we get a shipment of Panini trading cards. The NFL Prism, those are wonderful cards. La Liga, you can get those packs as well. Panini NFT platform, unique one-of-a-kind VIP experiences. It's the only platform where you can win physical versions of your NFTs. 
Panini NFT trading cards giving you the opportunity to pull autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, even one-of-one NFTs from every base pack. Get started. NFT.PaniniAmerica.net. America.net. The official trading cards and NFTs of The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for The Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Bali Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo! Of course, you know us as the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show. Yeah. If you're hearing this promo right now, it means you're listening to some other show. Uh, well, why the hell are you doing that? Yeah, get your priorities straight. Well, maybe, Tony, they listened to this week's episode already. I don't care. Listen to it again. Yeah, great point there, Tony. Anyway, you. so you listening out there, make sure and go do that and uh, listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading card to this program. MLB Sunday leadoff brings you Sunday morning action live from Atlanta, the Braves and the Orioles. And you can watch Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern on NBC streaming on Peacock, which is where you can also find this program. Download the app. You can watch for free. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. Spent a little bit of time talking about the Memphis Grizzlies, and Dylan Brooks is not going to be back with this team. And uh, the beat writer for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies for the Daily Memphian, Drew Hill, joins us on the program. Drew, thanks for joining us. Um, Take us back to maybe at the All-Star break. Felt like the Grizzlies were trying to replace Dylan Brooks without officially announcing that they were trying to trade for somebody else. Uh, is that true? Yeah, and I think there was actually some frustration there. Um, it's not often that you hear a general manager come out and say, hey, we tried, you know. 
we we gave our best effort. We offered deals that we thought were above and beyond what anybody else would offer, and it just didn't work out. Nobody would take any of them. But that's essentially what the Memphis Grizzlies did. They were rumored in deals for OG Ananobi. They were rumored in deals for Mikhail Bridges, offering as many as four draft picks for him, three first-round draft picks for OG Ananobi. People thought the deals were kind of ridiculous that Memphis was offering a lot. Neither team takes it. And I think uh, you heard general manager Zach Kleiman. He obviously didn't speak on any of the specifics of any of the rumored deals, but he did come out and say, you know, we were really ultra aggressive at this deadline and we just couldn't get a deal to, to go through. And uh, so, yeah, they, they've been trying to make an upgrade at that wing position for a while now, and they haven't really made it much of a secret. How did it go over locally when you had Shams say, quoting, uh, that Dylan was not going to be back under any or any circumstances here? I think people here were ready to move on from Dylan Brooks. Now, Dylan certainly has his fans here, and he's the longest-tenured Grizzly uh, coming into this season. He's one of just two holdovers from the Mark Gasol, Mike Conley era. So that had made him a, a liked figure here in Memphis. But the way that the last two playoffs have gone, particularly the series against Golden State, now the series against the the Lakers, it really soured people here, um, I think, a a good bit. And so for Dylan, I think it's just better for both sides to move on. And you could sort of hear and feel that disconnect as this series sort of continued and it became more and more frustrating for him. But, and, but, but Drew, so, are we looking at the end result here? If Memphis wins that series against the Lakers, are the Memphis fans still okay with Dylan Brooks? Is management okay with Dylan Brooks? I, I think that's a good question, and that's a fair question, but I think that management still this summer is going out and looking for a way to upgrade on the way. Dylan Brooks is not an efficient shooter. He doesn't exactly fit what they need to do with their core of three players moving forward. He's a good defender. He gets a lot of credit for the defense that he plays. He did not play great defense in that series against the Lakers. The Grizzlies found out that Xavier Tillman was better on LeBron James than Dylan Brooks was. So if if the Grizzlies are solving problems and throwing Dylan Brooks out of the equation, then moving forward, it's not that difficult to throw Dylan Brooks out of the equation. I wonder when he embraced this sort of Draymond Green light that I'm I'm going to I'm getting coverage now. When you, when you're scoring 18, you're a nice player, you're never going to be the focal point of that team. But it's almost like he'd rather average 14 and be a villain uh or tough guy or instigator and then it kind of blew up in his face. You know, this is really flipped. 2 years ago, I was in Utah. It was a uh, COVID year. And so we were doing phone interviews back then. And this was right when the Dylan the Villain nickname was starting to take off. And I asked him over the phone if he liked the Dylan the Villain nickname. Now, this is a nickname that dates back to when he was in college at Oregon. So this is, it's been around. But it really picked up at at that time uh, when fans were booing the heck out of him in Utah. And he was not sold on the Dylan the Villain nickname. Okay. He said he he somewhat liked the Dylan the Villain nickname, but he didn't see himself as a villain. That's two years ago. Now he's completely leaned into this villain image, this villain uh, sort of narrative that's around him. And it's obvious that he's leaning into it because of the antics on the court. You know, he, this is a guy that's going after Theo Pinson for standing up on the bench. Theo Pinson, a guy who's not even playing in the game for the Dallas Mavericks, uh, and getting an, a technical foul that ends up with the, Dylan being suspended for another game. Like, this is a guy that has not really seemed to care what other people think of him and has really leaned into this whole image thing uh, and did obviously did what he did with LeBron James. And so this has been a change over two years for Dylan Brooks. I think some of it is has been frustrating for the Grizzlies and the Grizzlies front office. Um, and some of it is stuff that you want you, you want to have a player that will do those sort of things and will be your heart and soul and will be the guy that will go to battle against the other team's best player every single night. And some of it becomes too much. And I think at some point for Dylan, it just became too much. John Morant this offseason. Um, are we holding our breath here? Like, can he 
Can he be quiet? Can it be a quiet offseason for John Morant? I can only say, obviously, I'm not with John Morant on his, in his day-to-day life. So I don't want to come on here and say, I think John Morant's completely changed. He's flipped it around. Like, that would be – it wouldn't be smart. It's not a smart thing to say. But what I can say is I believe that the Grizzlies believe that he's making the right steps forward. And mm. it, from my perspective, being in the locker room for media availabilities, talking to Jaw uh, off the court, the the way that he's addressed those things and the conversations has already changed. Um, he's he knows and he's very aware of some of the headlines that are going to be out there or that are out there and the opportunities for him uh, to be put on front page news. But one thing that I did notice. Uh, he was asked by a reporter that is not typically a Grizzlies beat reporter, wasn't really following the team in the playoffs, but had really popped in at the end uh, when the season ended after game six. And he was asked about the Giannis quote about failure. And Ja pretty much shot it down right away and said, you know, I I get it. It, it was a great quote, but I don't want to be put on this. I don't want to be on these headlines. Like I, I respectfully, I'm just going to leave that to Giannis. I don't want to. We would never get an answer like that from Ja maybe a half a year ago, six yeah. months ago. Um, and so he, I think he's learning really to, to kind of dial it back. And he's done a very good job of that over the last few months. And I asked him, are you proud of yourself for doing that uh, at the exit interviews? And he said, yeah, less jaw on the blogs. That's, that's my goal, less jaw on the blogs. So uh, I think that at least with the media, he's going to be able to do that. Whether he stays out of the headlines completely this summer, I mean, I don't, I can't say, uh, I, I don't follow him in his day-to-day life. Drew, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you have an uneventful off season, but uh, thanks <laughs> yeah. for joining us. Yeah. Thanks Dan. Appreciate That's, it. That's uh, Drew Hill. He covers the Grizzlies for the daily Memphian. Yeah. I'm, well, you know, as a writer, you probably want some things to happen in the off season and <laughs> be careful what you ask for. Once again, uh, according to Sham's, Joel Embiid is planning on playing tonight game two versus the Celtics. And the Celtics were 10-point favorites, according to DraftKings. Now, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Chris in D.C. joins us on the program. Good morning, Chris. What's on your mind today? Morning, Dan. Morning. Uh, first time, long time, 5'11", 195-ish, a little stocky. Uh, wanted to bring up the, the idea that you guys were talking about where championships are, are what, you know, gets you, you know, sort of lifts you in the rankings and yeah. maybe take that a little bit further and talk about how many teams it took you to get to those championships. So, for instance, LeBron, you know, kind of bounced around looking for championship rings. Steph Curry's been on the same team. A guy like Ernie Banks didn't have the opportunity to shift teams. He was going to be a cub for life. So how does that impact your overall, you know, feeling about greatness? Well, I think you have to look at what you do when you're on these teams. Are you making your teams better? Are you playing for playoffs? Are you playing for championships? And LeBron, I, I, I just have to put this into you know, the proper context. Go back to that Cleveland team that LeBron had when he was, what, 23 years of age. And they went to the NBA Finals. And they had no chance against the San Antonio Spurs. But he got them there. He realized if you want to be the next Michael Jordan, you want to be King James, you want to be the chosen one, you have to win championships. And you start to do inventory, and he realized, looking around, he's not going to win a championship there. He's not going to win one because nobody wanted to go to Cleveland to play. And that's why I think when he tried to recruit Chris Bosh, and Chris has talked about this, Chris was going to Miami. There was no pit stop in Cleveland. And so LeBron, and I think the media played a large role. We kept saying, well, you can't call yourself that. You're not great. You know, how are you going to be the next Michael Jordan? You're not winning. And he's never had great coaches in Cleveland. You know, Eric Spolstra was unproven in Miami, but he realized that he had to go to a team that had another player or two. We may not like that. We may love that Jordan stayed and Bird stayed and Magic stayed. You know, they all stayed for the most part. But LeBron had to go chase a title and do that in Miami. I think the way he did it, um, you know, it felt like LeBron was lovable with the Cavs. 
admired with the Cavs, and then he went to Miami, and then they had the press conference. He's taken his talents to South Beach. That's when people turned on LeBron. Like, who is this guy? And we're going to not, not one, not two, not three, and you're going, oh, man, this isn't good. But he had Dwayne Wade, who was smart enough to defer to LeBron, even though it was Wade's team. He let LeBron run that team. And Chris Bosh turned out to be a great 3 and D guy and a great role player. And they were winning, won a couple championships there. And then I think he saw an exit strategy, look at business opportunities, you go to Los Angeles. And then, you know, I didn't like what he did to those young players when he got rid of everybody. And, you know, he wanted to get his guys in there, wanted to get Anthony Davis in there. But when you start to look at the big picture for all of these guys, you know, Ernie Banks was a wonderful player. Hit 500 home runs, but he played for a team that, you know, like 1969 was the, the year they were supposed to win it. But nobody was leaving back then. You had Kurt Flood, who brought about free agency. And then that changed everything. And basketball, that has changed as well. I don't know if we're going to get as caught up in that as maybe we used to do that. Like Tony Gwynn stayed with San Diego and Ripken stayed with the Orioles. I love that. But put yourself in the player's shoes. LeBron is still trying to chase championships. And L.A. may not be his last stop. It might be this year. and He moves on some other place. He wants to play with his son. He wants to get another championship. Because we have said and reminded him, well, you're not Michael Jordan. He's got six. So that's why... He's going wherever he thinks he can win a chance. He's being a smart businessman. Nobody said this about Darrell Rivas. Rivas, one of the smarter players that I think we've had in the NFL, it's like, where can I make $20 million? Uh, I'm going to go to the Patriots and win a championship. Nobody said, oh, he chased a ring. When it's convenient, we bring it up. You know, Carl Malone chased a ring. when he, uh, Steve Nash, when they went to the Lakers, Dwight Howard. We, I understand that. But I think you also have to be fair to LeBron that he has had a, a run of excellence that's 20 years. 20 years. Amazing. So I'm not going to, you know, ding him because he chased a ring in Miami. We made him chase a ring. And then he realized, hey, I, I got to get with some younger guys. And he went to L.A. and got another ring because he had Anthony Davis there with him. And maybe he gets another ring this year. Yeah, Paul. The year before LeBron joined the Cleveland Cavaliers, they had obviously had 17 wins. His first stint there, he was there seven seasons. Five Eastern Conference uh, Finals, or uh, yeah, semifinals, uh, two Eastern Conference Finals, one NBA Finals. His last two years there at Cleveland, his first stint there, 66 wins, 61 wins. Yeah. I mean, remarkable. Remarkable. And, and still great, although last night he won. Uh, Grady in Florida. Hi, Grady. What's on your mind today? Hey, not too much, Dan. Just uh, watched the game last night, and I'm surprised that nobody is mentioning. I haven't heard a sports commentator, the after-the-game shows, anything. But the free-throw situation, the Lakers. Yeah, I brought it up. I brought it up about 15 minutes ago. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I missed that. But 29-8, uh, to eight, yep. and uh, Schroeder gets the 10 attempts, and Curry won. I think the Warriors should be commended for not whining. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised at the uh, disparity between those two. But if you're taking threes, you know, the Lakers were taking twos. LeBron was taking threes. But, you, you know, this is where you get free throws. You initiate contact. You're not going to get those if you're shooting three-pointers. Yes, Marv? Yeah, I think the Lakers shot 25 free throws. I mean, 25 three-pointers. And the Warriors shot 52 three-pointers. Yeah. So watching the game, and I watched the entire game last night, I could see it's not why, a competition, Mark. right? You know, just saying. <laughs> oh, that you watch the entire game, okay? Dan, don't be so naive. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a competition. Uh, the it? late night text about a post game pressers—that's absolutely meant to see who's still up. Well, Fritzy, Fritzy, and Paulie are the great late night texters. That's a, that's a competition. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Last man stand. Last man texting. Latest tweet of the night. Yeah. <laughs> what time did you? What time Show did you who's tweet? Still up. I tweeted this at one fifteen. So uh, Reggie Miller sent me a text last night at twelve thirty six. I told you Golden State couldn't stop Anthony Davis, so I texted him back and I said, "I told you the Lakers were going to win Game One," and then I didn't hear back from him. Yes, Marv. My favorite thing about the late night text from you guys is 
Marvin, who's that? It's a group chat. I swear. I swear. I swear. I swear. I swear. Look, Paul Paps. Look, yeah. I swear. Yeah. Wait, somebody's sending you a picture, Marvin. <laughs> oh, wait. It's just a refrigerator. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, no. Paulie's sending his meal. That, right. that, that yeah. he, it's the French onion soup again. Oh, oh my God. Oh, so Michelle is called group chat. I see what you Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me take a break. More phone calls on the way. We'll check in with the Lakers coming up next hour. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This league uncut. The new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sounds like Family Ties theme song. It's kind of sad that I know that it's Family Ties theme song. I saw where there's a guy who's collecting all of these sets from TV shows. And uh, I guess he's been doing that for decades now. But he's got like Johnny Carson set, David Letterman set, Archie Bunker. Uh, now, these are the actual sets. So the chairs that were there, Johnny Carson's desk, David Letterman's desk. And, you know, minimum bid, I think, starts at $100,000. If I said you could have 
Oh, Cheers, the bar at Cheers. You could have the entire bar at Cheers. You could have one set, and money's not the issue. Or you could have an object from the set. Or let's say you could have uh, a car, like the Batmobile. What would you choose? Todd, I'll start with you. I thought of the Batmobile because I had a replica of that when I was a kid with the battery and the lights going on, and I just thought that was like the greatest thing to imagine riding around in the Batmobile. It'd be nice to have the Bat Cave with yeah. the Batmobile in it. Do you get the belt that Batman wore, the utility belt? Because that's some cool stuff in it. I don't they would think throw that so. in with the, the car. I don't think that would be part of the set. Seton O'Connor. It's kind of funny to think of the evolution of Batman now compared to what was supposed to be the superhero in that TV show. <laughs> Dude had arms like mine. That's <laughs> like 130 pounds. You know what? I knocking dudes out. <laughs> I still have this Batman doll that Adam West sent to me and autographed. And rest his soul. But he sent me this thing in the mail and i was like all right and he's like uh best wishes dan that's awesome adam west that's awesome yeah um i would the very the very first thing that popped into mind was uh something from cheers like norm stool or something like that i that would be awesome well why not just take the whole bar yeah, yeah. well i didn't think that that big okay uh, but yeah i'd take the whole bar throw it right in my basement or something <laughs> i'd be so sick <laughs> so sick your wife comes home yeah Hey, honey, I'm down here. Oh, dude, I'd watch like I'd watch games down there. And be like, babe, I'm going to the bar. Walk in, everybody goes, see you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody knows your name. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows my name. Marv, what about you? I want the whole house from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Man mansion included. <laughs> no, you have to have a set, something inside. Then I'll take the living room from the okay. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. All right, all right. Paulie, what about you? Yeah, this is funny because it's actually up for auction. David Letterman's desk. I saw that on the list of things that are mm. up there. I grew up on Letterman, and the fact that his desk is available and out there mm. for $100,000 includes the desk, the chairs. Well, that's minimum bid, Minimum though. bid. And then the riser, everything. My guess is someone like Jimmy Kimmel, who just loves Letterman, would mm. buy something like that mm. if, he, if he knew it was available. I'm trying to think what else would I want. What was your favorite TV show as a kid? The one that like, you didn't miss? Hmm. I don't think I had a favorite. Uh, Happy Days. Happy Days was a Ooh, big the deal. Jukebox. The jukebox. Yeah, you could do that. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And now you have Fonz, Henry Winkler on the show Barry. Like, it's just weird to see him now in that role when he was the Fonz in Happy Days. But that whole interior of the diner, and then you have the jukebox there, that'd be, that'd be cool. Something from MASH, like the tent that the guys lived in and the cots. Nah, I don't want that. Kind of That's kind of depressing. Yeah, a little depressing. Yes, Todd. It was a very basic set, but because I loved it so much and it brings back memories of watching it with the family, the honeymooners with the dresser drawer and the icebox and the mm. table and chairs, that set, which was basically the only thing you saw on that show, except for when they you know, left the house once in a while, that apartment set would be a cool thing for the honeymooners. And you look back on All in the Family, and you couldn't get away with any of that now. I mean, if you watch an episode of All in the Family... Archie Bunker, and Norman Lear, I think, was the producer of that. But if, if you're looking at a realistic sitcom, All in the Family was real. I mean, it, it didn't paint a pretty and shiny picture of race relations and who he was, and he was just that grumpy old guy. And, uh, you know, I, I look back on that, and that was in the, what, early 70s? Had that? Can't do that now. No, you can't. Uh, anything? Oh, you know, I, oh, I, there was another thing I saw with the auction. Uh, Dream Team auction, or is this Carl Malone has some items? Yeah, Carl Malone, the mailman, is auctioning off all his Dream Team memorabilia. And not just his, he got signed jerseys and shoes from just about everybody. I think they all traded so, for instance, you can buy Magic Johnson's game-used Dream Team signed shoes for eighteen grand, or his jersey, or Barclays, or Birds, or basically go through the whole team. Guess what the highest-priced item is? Something to do with Michael Jordan. That would be correct. Jordan's shoes, the 11 bids in, is, are $100,000. Autographed to Carl from Michael Jordan mm. and game-used. A game-used Jordan jersey right now is at 975000 
probably got 25 items on this uh, auction site. But I wonder the other players on the team, did they get, I'm sure you got everybody to sign things. You get Leitner's game used shoes for five grand. But he didn't get in the game, did he? I, oh. It's like warm-up used? I think he played in some of the garbage time. Did he? When they were uh, up 50 on Angola, he got a little run. Oh, Angola. I might have gotten some run against Angola. Yes, he But even anything Dream Team, though, is great. Yeah. Game used. 975000 for Mike. Wow. Two hours in the books. One more to go. We'll check in with the Lakers coming up. Celtics and the 76ers. And the latest news is Joel Embiid will play tonight. Final hour coming up. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.